0: Elizabeth Morton, hello. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Very well.
0: So you're here to talk about your new book, The Orphans of Liverpool Lane. What was the inspiration behind this?
1: Okay, so I write sagas um, and I had been writing about mother and baby homes. My family is from Liverpool, big extended family, Catholic Irish family. The inspiration, uh, initially I wanted to write a book about... A family, family of, of two daughters and mum, very female household, and and the story of what happened when their dad, which is what happened to my mother, um came back from the war after the war um had ended. So um those those prisoners who'd who'd been in either prisoner of war camps like my character or or had been just fighting in countries like Africa. They were they came back later and they were told, don't make a fuss. We've all moved on. So there was no celebration. Of course, these men were very damaged. So that so I wanted to write about that, what that the dynamics of suddenly as you know, my mom had been, her dad left when she was two and suddenly a complete stranger, a man in her house, living with them, sharing the bathroom, you know, and and how difficult that was and she talks about the very first time she came in and she saw a man sitting in the chair and her mother crying um kneeling at his, at his feet and she thought that was um mother was upset but it was probably that, that my grandmother was overwhelmed mm. um, so that's quite interesting i wanted to write about that but then as i uh, um i also wanted to write about um orphans of the living which was something i didn't really know about um but it was or at least the term and that was after the war families um who were perhaps had lost a father or mother unable to cope they would put them in the care of the authorities and of course inevitably um that would mean that they'd end up in the institutions run by the church because the church had such a stranglehold on on every corner society in in those days and um and so these children were called orphans of the living um some of whom would be, have been sent to canada and and uh, australia you know very, very um a, a kind of dark time um in in the united kingdom's history book but, but also in liverpool history but uh, but also, I want to, my books are um, you know by nature because of their genre they are uplifting family sagas. So my readers know they're going to get happy ending. So even though I go to these dark places, um, you know I hope that they are funny and the characters are you know are, are ultimately they will be safe and happy. Um, I think that's quite important. If if a that's 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 quite important to me as a writer um, because I, I I also like to think these with the books that I write even though the historical they give us hope. This is a really long answer to. the <laughs> <laughs> apologize, but um, yeah, that so that that's that's what I'm interested in writing: historical, family saga, romance. You know, the best.
0: Well, it really <laughs> resonated with me because. This year, you're talking about uh, kids that were orphaned away and went to other countries. My my mom about six months ago discovered she had two cousins in Australia that she didn't know existed, and they've since met up and reconnected. And so when I, when I was reading this, I was like, well, This is this is kind of similar to, to what actually happened." Yeah, That's
1: amazing. I mean, I, I, funny enough, and you're not the only person that I've spoken to. I did. I did. Uh, Sirens of audio, oh, and yeah, you know, know, one one of the guys there said, "Well, I was, uh, you know, I was adopted, and I'm in Australia." And so these, you know, these events that you can see as sort of historical are still happening, you know, life consequences. That's amazing. So, how did your mum find out?
0: Uh, well, you know, when the DNA tests became really common, she she did that, and she reconnected with a niece that she hadn't spoken to. In about wow. 20 years, and yeah, and then discovered these two cousins suddenly got in touch. I'm oh, like, oh, we, yeah. we think we're related. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, one of them is coming to stay with her soon. Oh, so, I mean, yeah, there's, there's this whole connection now. Uh, mm-hmm. But going, going back to your book, I found the opening few chapters really deeply emotional. Were they difficult to write?
1: Um, Sometimes um, I difficult I wouldn't say they were difficult, but sometimes I I do get emotional when I'm writing it um, because especially if it's, you know, so I I found out that in the course of this, one of my uncles who's in his nineties an earlier book I'd written. He said, he said, Oh God, you got, you, you got the orphanage just right. The girls were just like that. And I said, what do you mean? I made it up. And he said, Well, no, because when my grandmother's husband died, she was left with 10 kids and they did what everyone else did. They went to the church and the boys were, uh, the younger siblings were put into an orphanage. So they were orphans of the living. So they were then taken out. Now, my father died when I was quite young, so I never had a conversation about it. But I suppose what the reason why it is a bit emotional is because it's the world that's is not too far away from you know, my family's experiences, and and particular that thing of you know that opening t- chapter where she leaves the baby on the doorstep of the church, and that that um, of the orphanage of the you know institution. That yeah, I wouldn't describe it as diff- difficult. You you sort of want to get it right, so there's a difficulty, and once you've written it, then going back and. Being really careful, as uh, you know, with the deep, uh, how it would have been, how it actually would have worked. And so that involves a bit of research, you know, quite a lot of research. Um, but emotionally, I suppose, also, I think if I feel I'm connecting it to it, then I hope that that connects with my readers. And they do say that you shouldn't write books for other people, you should write a book for yourself, because actually, ultimately, you know, if you if you feel that um, you know you you you've if you start thinking out outside of, of a third person, somehow you, you you you're doomed, really, become because it it's in danger of becoming artificial. So you sort of write the story you want to tell, the story you've got to get out of you. But yeah, yes, and you know, I I also think this might apply to you. So when I was writing these stories, not realizing how how much closer to home they were in terms of, you know, dad going into an orphanage, which probably but if you're reading that and you know you've got a cousin in Australia that your mum didn't know you yeah. had, it probably touches you yeah. it, it you know in a su- kind of surprising way as well. Um yeah, that's 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 yeah. So so the answer not not difficult, but quite um it takes it out of you a, a bit emotional. Yeah. It may
0: makes- How do you approach writing? Do you just kind of write when inspiration strikes or do you sit down and oh, I'm going to treat this like a nine to five?
1: Okay. So, well, I, you know, I was trying to get, I've always written and I was trying to get a book and you always knew it was my dream to get a book published. I don't know why, but it was always something, you know, I wanted. And for many years, I, you know, I, but would write various things, they'd get rejected. So, um, so I suppose I was always quite driven. So, writing, there was no routine, but it was something that I, um, you know, was pretty much part of my, you know, every day, even if it was jotting things down, even if I was doing a short story or a drama or whatever, it was always there. Of course, it's much easier once you get um book deal which finally I got after all those years. So, so happy. Um, And so when when you have a deadline, that's much easier because you know you've got to work. I write very early in the morning because living in a house with Peter, my two boys before they left, you know, that it was a busy, busy house. So I just need room, you know, quiet. So I don't really do a nine to five thing. I do much. Much more very early in the morning or then, you know, it, it sort of t- in the evening before I go to bed. Um, so, and also having been an actor, it's quite, you know, that's a job with no routine. So uh, our lives have never had any routine. And so my <laughs> my working life doesn't have a routine. One of the things I used to do before I got published um, and on the way to, to becoming a publisher was I used to... Um, I used to enter competitions and that that's a re- really good thing because it would give you a, a sort of artificial deadline. So if I'd find a competition, short story, mostly they were the ones that I, you know, or anything, if you're writing a film script and you, you know, there's lots of screenwriting competition, that it gives you a deadline, um, which is a sort of artificial deadline, one of your own um, making, but it, nevertheless, it's a deadline think it's quite hard to work to write in a vacuum as it were you know sure uh, so yeah but my, i don't have a routine but i'm helped by having deadlines so you know if i if it's july and i've got to hand in a book at the end of august mm. that you know i can't laugh around
0: The <laughs> systems go yeah yeah do you find being an actor helps with the writing and does the writing help with the acting as well
1: and i think um yes I, I think actually I mean abs- I I do think every job that I did as an actor whatever it was you know uh, it, it was is just you learning how to structure a story how to wipe dialogue without being taught I mean I did do do um I was lucky enough to get um asked to join the Royal court young writers group and that, that was learning about playwriting but it was really learning about how to write a story um whatever whether that's a book a saga a poem a, um, a play a radio you know that that was looking back on like that was I was really lucky to do that um but the acting yes you just you know about you know to be sparse with dialogue you know how to tell a story that say you know a script for example where you can you you know you can only describe visually what's happening between the lines so you know how to tell a story without using great long descriptive passages you can you can do it so so sometimes if i'm writing a line and it's like you know someone saying something but but thinking something else you can do it just with a look because as an actor you're trained how to think about what's going on beyond the words on the page and conveying that you know if you're if you're lying about something you know how as an actor do you play that if the line is would you like a cup of tea so you you sort of you can be very you learn how to be economical i think as a writer or or that's my style of writing i mean there's plenty of writers brilliant writers who who will be very descriptive and very um you know literary in the way that they write um, and um, I think I'm more I'm quite interested in the drama of the story and the sound of people speaking and you know the chit chat and the, the, the Liverpool sound you know the Liverpool get you know <laughs> Liverpool, the music in that Liverpool voice you know that's I, t- I try and get that. Onto the page, somehow you know. So even if it's like an awful nun, I've got quite a few nuns. <laughs> Do you know? I'm imagining those Irish nuns who used to teach me, who were just absolutely withering with their language and their <laughs> comments. You know. So, so if you can get that down on paper, being an actor has really helped. And and being, you asked me about the other way round. just does being being writer can an actor? That's an interesting question. I've never been asked, been asked that before. Um, I suppose it. I don't know. Maybe that makes makes it harder in some ways because you you you're a bit more it, you're a bit more observant of the writing of a piece. Whereas an actor, we should just be immersing yourself in the words on the page. Maybe it makes you a bit more sort of oh, you know. They didn't need to do that, or why did they? You know, I don't know. I don't do enough acting these days to sort of, um, for it, it to be an issue. Um, I, I certainly knew, Now, this is quite this, 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 I was thinking about this the other day. When I started, um, as an actor, people would inevitably think that, um, I was writing something. Making my own work, so I could be in it. I couldn't really think than actually being as a performer in something I had written because what when when I write, I really like the anonymity of being a writer, even though people are getting to know it's me now. But in fact, the first thing I ever wrote pr- properly, it was, I wrote a a a short story for a competition. It was run by Time Out, and you know, in my kind of warped world of my own head, I I thought, "Oh, I'm going to write this story, but I don't really want anyone to know that it's me." Um, So I put it in an envelope, and I wrote it under a completely fictitious name—a name that didn't exist—and and and then I won the competition. It's so exciting. But then I had this check because there was a, I think it was 500 pounds, they are made out of this non-existent Ella Hennigan or something.
0: Mm. So
1: I had to say, actually, actually, I think they thought I was, you know, a little bit crazy. But there, there you go. So I love the anonymity. And so I was never driven like this to further my acting career. Though nowadays that's... um there are plenty of actors who do that, and that's and the hats off to them. You know that's fantastic, but I just prefer to, have, you know, get, be able to go as far as I can with my imagination without worrying that somehow it would be connected to me <laughs> as a as a person. Yeah,
0: is, it, is that why you went by Eliza Morton?
1: Yes, well Eliza. So so um my real name uh is Heary, which is always a bit too Irish and a bit too and people always say Heary, Harry, Heary. They could never so so I used to work as Elizabeth Morton. So when I started as an actor, so when I started writing, initially I, I went back to Elizabeth Heary. And then when I got the publishing deal they asked me I was with Penguin and they asked me to go by the name Morton, which was fine. Um the reason why Eliza Morton, Eliza was a name that I was called when I was little, but um it was also because the first four books were very much um set in a mother and baby homes, but these three books are uh distinct to being set in this particular orphanage. Mm. So it's a bit so it's close enough to know that I'd be the same writer, but if you were choosing a book, because my books are Particularly going libraries as well, so you know, you know which, which book corresponds to which series. So whether I go back to Elizabeth Morton or whether I stick, with Eliza, I, I do not But the, the, these are all these are all very complicated things as well to do. With people who know a lot better than me about um, you know the marketing of books and mm. so, you know it, it had to connect
0: with your audiences. There's a nice ring to Eliza Morton.
1: Uh, well, uh, well, Eliza. I think also it does connect to the, you know, these th- these are particularly historical as well. These oh. books, you know, so they do. It, it it has more of a period feel, I think, as well.
0: Yeah. This, um, what What was Liverpool like when you were when you were there? Um, did it feel like the cultural hub that it is now?
1: Um, it it did feel for me, you know, it did feel exciting going off. I mean, you know, I was there around the time Willie Russell, and I was in Willie Russell plays, and uh, out, you know, Alan Bleesdale, boys on the black stuff. It fe- it did feel, you know, educating, Rita, it It felt like it was a, a really cultural city from that point of view. But it's very different to what it is now. I mean, now when I go back, it's much more. Kind of cool and contemporary. And, but if you even think about the stuff that those Liverpool writers were writing about and the Liverpool poets, you know, the bit involved. I remember doing a, I was doing a play as an actor and they came, Adrian Henry, Brian Patton, Roger McGough, they all did, came down to the theatre. So Liverpool had this really, you know, it was very, um, a place where it felt, there was space for um, people who were creative and actors. It, you know, there was a kind of scene, the liver birds, you know, all. but it wasn't, um, <clears throat> but it, it was all, they were telling stories really of the terrible decline at the time. So um, my um, dad was uh, headmaster in that, in, in, in Kirby and, Central Farm, places like, you know, kind of, so I used to go with him and, and it was very, um, <laughs> you, you know, you, the, this, he also worked with, with the Vietnamese boat people. So, you know, that when they, when they came over, I can't remember, it was, but that'd be this sort of 80s. So I spent a lot of time with him and they were housed in, you know, really the high rise flats in Kirby and Stelmsdale. So it was <clears throat> through that I you know there was a very rest kind of um you could feel the decline the dock strikes you know that that so so even though there was the cultural hub it's sort of different well except there are you know there are of obviously you know social economic problems now um but then in terms of like the city and I look back at some of the pictures now of like you know the eighties, the nineteen eighties. That that doesn't seem far away to me at all, and it looks kind of Dickensian. Some of the you know, housing and the um, so that was so it was kind of before Derek Hatton. Whatever you think about him, he did you know build lots of houses in Liverpool. You know that that gave it a, a boost in terms of uh, the infrastructure, but it, it so. So it was great and because I was involved in the theatre, you know, he, he, there was a Liverpool everyman scene, Liverpool Playhouse, but it, was, it still felt like Liverpool had been given a really hard blow after the war. It still felt that they were, and it was the decline, the the work that was, you know, modernisation was, it kicked Liverpool in the teeth really and, and you know all those clatteries, Fords, all the, you know, we were singing songs about that. And, you know, that was kind of, that was the background. And I, and I do think that writing these, the books that I write are, um, you know, uh, uh, telling those stories, you know, you've got, you, I think it's, you got to keep telling those stories, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We mustn't forget what, what that was like. Cause, yeah, yeah. Liverpool in the eighties, it, it was very vastly different to to today. Did you know? Did you know it, or did you? No, but I've I've got friends who are who are from that way, yeah. and yeah, the way they talk about it, it's it's yeah. very different yeah. whenever they yeah. they visit.
1: I, I mean, now it's a, having said that, you know, you, you go to Liverpool and you can get off the train and you it, it is. You think, oh my God, you know, this is like Chicago, or so this is so. Nice. But there are still places suffering. You know, you get you get out of that kind of three mile radius and and there are but it's a fantastic city and I spend as much time as I can there I've still got family there and it's you know it's fantastic so yeah it's got that I, uh, is it a cliche to say but it does have that spirit you know that mm. that um that I think comes out of adversity which is a bit like you know by heroines you know they're always pushed to the limits but
0: you know, I hope they're always fighting, funny and kind of, you know, fighting. All right, so I guess I'd better ask some Doctor Who questions.
1: Come on, Doctor um, Who! So,
0: yeah, you're, you're married to Peter Davison and mother-in-law to David Tennant. What's it like when you're out with both of them? Is it just a constant mob of Doctor Who fans? You
1: know, it's not. and um, It's not. I don't know why that is. Uh, the, whether they're quite... Good at going sort of incogn- <laughs> incognito with the baseball cats and what. Um, you get, people actually are very gentle, respectful. So if you're with, you know, inevitably loads of children, like George and Davis' children, or uh, you know, with my children, or you know, there's they always seem to be kids around. So people are quite respectful of that, you know. So I think they realise it's Um, so I've noticed the difference. So, so say if you were. If David or Peter were in, in a play, or even actually, even um, I've noticed even bizarrely when my um, both my boys have done a bit of theatre, and um, you'd get, and Georgia, of course, you'd get um, at the stage door, you would get Doctor Who fans, uh, you know, and many of them. Um, so there is a kind of, I'd say there is a sort of respectful understanding that if you're in the park and you're on the, the, the swings, um, yeah. you're not really going to get a approach. But if you were in, you know, if you were, say, you know, at it, it, a theatre or at an, an event, you know, at a signing event, and then that's that's when you're much more likely to be approached by people. But generally also, Dr. Hoofman's a pretty nice, kind of, sort of, it's, sort of, um, it's, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I can't say Peter has ever found it. Um, he, he does notice it's quite funny. He notices when he's, he gets more attention when he's not wearing his hat. <laughs> when, <laughs> I know, when he's in a, when he's in, um, a show that's not, um, so he was in something recently and, um, he said, oh, quite a few people like in the supermarket, you know, and the till would say, oh, you were in that thing last night. I said, well, yes, because you've just been in something, <laughs> but no, it's 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 not um it's it's not it's not a problem. No, it's nice, you know, it's kind of nice. And then, it, you know, occasionally, if some um, it's a child is a parent or something, that's absolutely fine.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. I was wondering, is is David able to just go to a park with the kids, or is it?
1: I mean, I can't answer you know, a hundred percent of him, but when he went with us. Yes, you know, we're off
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, that's what you know, that's what kids want to do. Yeah, so.
0: yeah.
1: So um yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it's it's um you know, you you notice as well over time when when it when there's more of it and then when it kind of dies down and as I say, it's often to do with what what in Peter's case, what he's in at the moment. Um, you know, he went to he tells this famous story about one of the first conventions when he went to Longleat. And it was just I'm sure you probably know about this story better than I, but it was just like hundreds and yeah. hundreds and they hadn't accommodated um the the numbers and it was it was kind of um mm-hmm crazy so i think that you know i don't know wonder when when probably when it was on air when peter was doing doctor who on air but i didn't know him then so (laughs) 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 you know so you know do my stuff at drama school at the time so i you know i think um yeah it was it it it, it's it it's the it's the um forum that you you're in at the moment that that will will. uh dictate how much attention you get it's all it's always that thing isn't it as well that um you know you don't you'd miss it if it if it wasn't
0: (laughs) um but yeah so you've you've acted alongside peter and a number of big finish audios what's it like when you're acting with family
1: well, I I was a bit nervous because I'd been an actor but Peter again didn't really know me as an actor when we met I'd very much started to write I'd done a few jobs um but so I was quite nervous because I thought oh God he's he's you know what will what uh, you know what will you be thinking oh she's a bit useless <laughs> <laughs> or, <laughs> so I suppose I was a bit nervous that um you know, but I needn't have been. It was abs- it was absolutely fine. It was it was fun to do. And I I think he was probably nervous. I don't know. Well, you know what it's like? It's a bit so. Sort of, like I don't know. I mean I am writing something with Peter at the moment. That's fine. But or we're trying to, but um uh acting together. So we big finish is slightly different also because you go in your little booth, you know. So you're not you're quite um separate. Um, I mean, you might be in the same booth, but but there's not an audience there, you know. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like doing a play with Peter. I don't <laughs> I, I don't think I'd like it
0: at all. We're not meant to spend that much time with our partners.
1: Oh, no, uh, no, no.
0: <laughs> uh, actually, well, I'll say, but if your relationship got through lockdown, you probably... Yes, Probably yeah, good.
1: Well, yes, that was that. That was it. I mean, that was that was different, wasn't it? In knockdown for me, wasn't. I mean, it was hard not seeing you know our sons. That was really hard, and and also hard when you've got you know uh, younger people in your life or older people in your life who were you know it it it. You could see their lap, with the younger people, especially when the two boys were at university. You could see the pain of them you know starting their lives and having it um and I'm sure those people had young children difficult older but for me as a writer you know I spend a lot of time and actually to be honest I would you know it was quite helpful not having the distraction of, <laughs> of life I got quite a lot done in terms of of writing yeah. um because the day was just it was sort of you know there was no got to do this got to do that uh, you know it was fine um yeah and we got through it yes we got through it well we, we, we've we've since you know two act, a- actors together I think that is one of the things that you um you know because it's very the work is the strange hours mean that um you do spend a lot of time together naturally you know if you're, if you're married to an actor or, or a writer, but probably a, a, and a lot, lot, lot of people work from home now, don't they? So that probably must have been a big change in, you know, real work relationships and relationships at
0: home. Yeah. I need to ask about London's Burning because that was a huge, that was a huge show for my childhood. I remember watching that every Sunday and every Monday, every kid at school would be talking about London's Burning. So how did you get involved with that?
1: So that was, so there was a time when I was d- d- doing quite a few jobs at the same time. So I was doing watching, this a Liverpool sitcom. And um, the director, I think one of the directors had either directed me at drama school or, anyway, it was just one of those things that there was, I think in watching, I was playing a sort of, it was Liverpool, but I was playing like posh Liverpool. And they wanted a sort of, I was playing a lawyer, Malcolm's girl, and um, I don't know. It just went along, got the job, and and because, and I was able to fit that in with the other jobs that I was doing. Um, It was, you know, I was playing. I was a regular, but I was what they called a semi-regular. But it was great. And Sean, um, big guy, Sean, he lives around the corner to me here now, so I. I met him recently, and and it turns out that there's a whole. I mean, I thought it's just sci fi, Doctor Who, but it turns out there's a whole London's Burning fan thing, and
0: yeah.
1: and they're trying to get a fan thing going. And um, I designed something recently, so it's still living on in the hearts of of uh, of many. Um, but it was an exciting series because they had a fire. I think mean, they had a fire at most episodes. Yeah, didn't they? yeah. So well, you know, so if you were, especially if you were like a kid, it would have been quite a, you know, exciting um, thing to see every week. Going on higher. Um, but, yeah, and it, it, it was very successful. I think mean, they did quite a few series.
0: Yeah, ran for a while. Yeah. You were in Jeeves and Worcester as well. What what was your experience like on that?
1: Um, so, Jeeves and Worcester, that was it was about so Seema Fry and Hugh. They weren't. Um, they were known as comedians. So I think there was also a bit, a bit of a thing as, "Oh gosh, can they act?" You know, this was the first time, and they, I thought they were both absolutely fantastic in it um, uh, because they 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 sort of underplayed it in a way um, that because they were comics, they they comedians, they knew how to make it funny and. Um, Uh, And Hugh was brilliant, actually, all the slapstick, you know, the falls and the, because it's a visual show and there was a lot. I loved it because I was just so excited to be on that set. And the, um, you know, my, my house, I often tell this my house was High Clear Castle. That was my dad's house in, in Chiang, which is, when they filmed Downton Abbey. That was Downton oh, wow. Abbey. I was like, it's my house uh, uh, Um, and that had, that, that, you know, that had all the history of, of Tutankhamen and, you know, the Carnarvon, Old Carnarvon. So to be in that, in that, you know, wandered around that building and in those beautiful costumes, it was all, they were all original. My costumes were all original dresses, and you know, it, it was, it it was, yeah, how lucky. I mean, it's, it's, it, um, when you're younger, it's, you don't quite appreciate it, do you? It's only when you look back and think, um, what a joy that was. And, and I, I love PG Woodhouse. It's, it's funny, you no, know, he, he just was just very, th- those characters to have all those actors coming in and playing guest parts as yeah. well. Some great actors and just, or you know, so many of them, uh, and um, when you've got a script like that, and you can do, you know, play it, the character, it, it it's uh, it was fantastic. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, and very very funny. That was a sort of joy, actually. So you mentioned earlier that you're writing something with Peter. Are you allowed to tell us anything about that? Is it a book? Oh, Is it no, a series?
1: Yes. yes no. No. Uh, well, I think it's probably a um, will be a. A series of books uh, it hasn't been we're writing it now so it hasn't been commissioned so um we, we you know we've yet to put it in in front of people my agent is read it um so we uh, partly because of Jesus also, I was also um got down to the last 10 or whatever for, for um got quite far in the Marjorie Allingham Dagger Award for a short story. So that I'd written I'd written a few episodes for a, a crime series on Radio 4. So so I'm quite interested in it. But that but I and I remember meeting, is it Nev Fountain who's written crime books? I believe so, yeah. And I remember meeting Nev at the um Crime Awards and he said, Oh yeah, crime, you should write right, crime's great, you know. Now i I did enjoy writing it, but but this sort of procedural stuff, and I'd been asked to write um, a crime book before, and I just thought I'm I'm not quite sure. I mean, as you said, was it very emotional to write those sagas? Yeah. See, that's my, mm-hmm. you know, my background. That's my, you know, where my imagination goes to. But I think for, but so, so then, but then Peter, of course, he's been in so many crime series. He loves reading crime. Uh, it, you know the, the last detective character i mean miss marble it goes on and on and i started to read that just agatha christie um books recently and thought actually you know they're pretty great uh, you know the, the character the the character you can write crime well, not you can you you know the, the i think in my head i was thinking oh crime is just the nuts and bolts of who did it and the you know the mystery of it and, but actually you only need to read an Agatha Christie book to realise it's about character, um, which is a thing that I love. So so with Peter with all his background, we started to write um a story set in the nineteen thirties. So kind of using our our you know, experience of Worcester, Marjorie Allingham, the Campion, you know, the the Mike crimes stuff that I'd written in drama, just see if we could have a go and do it, doing a kind of moonlighting with our two leading characters, you know, they won't they, and, um, and, um, setting it all around the Thames and the islands on the Thames, um, which I'm probably talking too much about it, but (laughs) when someone says, what are you writing at the moment, it's difficult to stop a writer, but, um, but uh, you know, I don't know if you've read any of um, Matthew Sweet's book. Oh yes, yeah. He's written about the film studios in in Walton and Shepperton, and we we know we know the area very well, Peach and I. where we wanted to write about you know the Doily Cart Island, which when people would come down river from London and uh, you know be involved in Twickenham film studios of film. So it's right for for all our you know, things that kind of, you know, get, give us the, you know, get, give us the sort of vibe of, oh, it would be nice to write about this. So we're trying whether we, it's whether we, um, if, whether we can get through the artistic disagreements about <laughs> too many toasters being thrown across a kitchen table.
0: <laughs> I'd love to see that.
1: Anyway, but yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, you know, I'm writing my sagas as a sage It's like I tend to go to my room, it's very solitary. And, you know, I'll almost like, you know, get, write this book, produce it, in the end, and then share it with people. This is much more collaborative, of
0: course, you know. Yeah, I really hope I get to read it. I can't wait yeah. to read that. Yeah. Elizabeth, you've been very generous with your time and I'm sure you've got a lot of these to do today. So I'm going to say thank you and goodbye.
1: Thank you so much. That was really
0: great. So to speak. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, how great was that? I'd just like to thank Elizabeth for her time and thank Pan Macmillan for arranging that interview. I genuinely could have spoken to Elizabeth for hours, but sadly I only had 30 minutes with her. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Now remember, The Orphans from Liverpool Lane is available from all good book retailers.